scripture reading this morning comes from Lamentations, the third chapter, and I invite you to turn with me in your pew Bibles on page 720 of the Old Testament section. Um, I'll be reading just a couple portions of this this morning. Some excerpts, beginning in verse 1. I am one who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Against me alone he turns his hand, again and again, all day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away and broken my bones. He has besieged me and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. Then verse 14, I have become the laughingstock of all my people, the object of their taunt songs all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, gone is my glory and all that I had longed for from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, friends, this is the word of the Lord. You came to church this morning to hear an uplifting message from scripture, and instead, you got a lament. What is lament, anyways? Lament is a brutally honest and confrontational expression of distress before God. When the people of God lamented, they typically included acts that we would associate with mourning, such as wearing sackcloth, basic dishevelment, not eating, and putting ashes on your head, wailing and crying out to God. So why, on my last Sunday with you, am I preaching about something so depressing? Is it because I wanted to prepare you for the weeping that will happen at my departure? No, it is because in my time with you all, we have experienced a lot of change together. And I have noticed that you, and really it's not just you, it's pretty much all people, are not very good at change and saying goodbye to what has been. With change comes loss which means that there has to be some sort of grief. And you know what? We don't like grief. We don't like these feelings that make us uncomfortable. But if we don't name that grief and do something about it, we are in danger of getting stuck in it, unable to move forward to the new things that God is calling us to. And so today, I want to talk a little bit about lamenting and grieving. Even Martin Luther grieved change. Today is Reformation Sunday, the Sunday that we celebrate Martin Luther nailing his 95 theses on the church doors in Wittenberg, which was, of course, the spark of the Reformation. But do you think the Protestant church got born uh, overnight? No, it took many years of painful change, 
But did you know that Luther wasn't actually trying to start a new church? He was trying to reform the Catholic church he loved. And he was grieved by the many changes caused by the Reformation. Today also marks for me personally 15 years of ordination. Yes, I was ordained on Reformation Sunday 15 years ago. I know you wouldn't believe it, but lots of changes happened for me on that day. I had just graduated from seminary, and my husband and I had gotten married a month later. We had just moved to a small West Texas town, and I was starting in my first pastoral call as associate pastor. Now, as exciting as all these new things were, life was going to be very different. As much as I had looked forward to getting married, I soon found out there was a blessedness to being single I had taken for granted. (laughs) Relationships are hard. Can I get an amen? And if you were wondering from last month's sermon, we did get the bed put together and our marriage has been saved. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and listen to that sermon from last month. So I had just moved to this town in West Texas, small town, from L.A., where I had gone to seminary, and I had loved living in Los Angeles. And plus, I had made some of the best friends of my life there. And now I was moving away from it all. That change was exciting, but it was hard. Change is often like that, and that's okay. You can experience excitement while at the very same time feel sad that things are not the same. You all, First Presbyterian Church, have had a lot of staff changes in the past two years, and you are expectantly waiting another staff change. You are excited about this change. A new senior pastor. This person will come, I promise you. But with each new person who has come and gone, there have been changes, big and small. When I first joined staff, I wanted to change the bulletin board sign-ups for programs. And guess what? People resisted. It's not what people are used to, I was told. They won't sign up if they don't see who else is signed up to go. Here's a news flash for you. Better bulletin boards are not what get people involved in the life and ministry of the church. You have got to listen to the Spirit and move with the Spirit and grow and change if you want to see new life and energy in the church. But even these little changes are hard. They signal that things are not the way they used to be. And yes, we can be both glad during a season of change and feel sad and feel mad, too. So what do we do about our grief when we recognize our loss, our discomfort, maybe even our anger or frustration? What do we do with all those feelings? When I was growing up in a large Presbyterian church in Dallas, Texas, I thought that it was sinful to be angry with God. Now, it wasn't because I was outright taught that, but my experience in church 
um, was one where you showed up in church and listened to scriptures that were mostly uplifting and sang hymns or songs that were all about ascribing praise and glory to God. If a psalm was read in church, it was a happy psalm, one that was obviously praising God, not one that we just heard earlier of of the psalmist in the depths. I don't remember many hymns and other scriptures that were laments. So I was inadvertently taught that I only could bring acceptable emotions to God, as if God didn't already know what I was thinking or feeling. I felt like I had to kind of clean up how I felt before I prayed. But life isn't like that, is it? Life is actually rather messy and raw. And the older I get, the more I realize that life is messy and hard, and there is struggle and heartache and pain. So sadly, it wasn't until I went to seminary that I learned that there was a whole group of psalms called the Lament Psalms. And did you know that there are more lament psalms than praise psalms in the Bible? I was actually surprised by that. But so often, you do not hear these read or used in worship. Psalm 6, as you heard, was an example of that psalm. And if you paid attention, there was not really a resolution at the end of that prayer to God. Our text in Lamentations that I just read is obviously a long lament from Lamentations. And this was written after God's people were captured by the Babylonians. And did you notice in this text that the writer blames all of his suffering on God. Now, it's not that God is punishing us when we are in a season of pain or waiting or change. But the psalmists and other biblical authors of lament pray to God as if God is the problem, as if God is to blame for their troubles. Why? Because the psalmists know that only God can do anything about changing their circumstances. So their complaint, their wailing, their protest, their crying out is directly addressed to God. My Old Testament professor, Dr. Golden Gay, used to say that it was better to unleash your fury at God rather than on another person. Because God can handle our anger. He's God. You cannot hurt God with your anger. But we certainly can hurt other people. So often, our tendency is to vent to our friends, our spouses, maybe on Facebook or Twitter. Or we stuff our feelings and we try to fix our problems ourselves. But the problem is, both of these ways do not express our dependence on God. Instead, Scripture teaches us to lament. So why should we practice lamenting? Especially if you are not in a season of lamenting right now. 
Well, I think there are four reasons. Biblical lament is prayer that is ruthlessly honest about present hurt, suffering, grief, confusion, or anger, either in one's own life or in the life of a community. Why should lament be a normal part of our worship even when we're not feeling sad? Well, first, we lament in order to weep with those who are weeping. It's likely that even if you are not in a season of lament, someone else in our church or in your life is going through something deeply mournful. Paul calls us in Romans 12 to weep with those who weep. So when we pray prayers of lament, we are weeping with those who weep. Secondly, we need to know what songs to sing and prayers to pray when we go through our own seasons of mourning. Few of us understand how unprepared we are for suffering and trials until they come. After a couple years of being married, my husband and I realized that we were unable to have children, and we went through a season of infertility that was such a painful time in our lives. And in that time, I realized it was a grief like none other that I had ever experienced. I didn't feel like praying, and I was mad, mad at God. But thankfully, I had words to pray, words from the scriptures themselves to address God with all the gamut of what I was feeling. When we regularly practice lament, even when we're not in a current season of sadness, we will know how to do it when we encounter suffering in our life. Third, the Psalms are the prayer book of the Bible. If there are more prayers of lament than praise in the Psalms, what does that tell us about how we ought to pray? These are meant to be our prayers, too. And finally, communal lament. Even if we are personally not going through a season of lament, we can lament lament as a community over the tragedies and suffering in our world, such as when natural disasters of hurricanes come, or when there are shootings in schools or places of worship, or when we face systemic problems of racism or homelessness, we can lament over the brokenness and pain and suffering in our world. So I'm going to ask you to do something with me today. I'm going to ask us all to pray a prayer of lament from Lamentations 3. So if you put your Bibles away, take them out again. And in your pew Bibles on page 720, we will look at Lamentations chapter 3 again. I know, this is not something that you normally do in worship, but you can fire me later. (laughs) We are going to spend some time praying this prayer of lament, all 24 verses from 1 through 24 in chapter 3. Now, before we read that lament... If this is a time for you when you are needing to lament, I hope and pray these are words for you that you can address to God. If not, think of someone you know who is going through a painful season. May these words 
be your prayer with and for them. And if you can't think of someone who is in a season of lament right now and pain and suffering, what can we pray and lament over as a community? What about in this church? While we've remained positive in light of the long wait for a senior pastor, this church has experienced grief and frustration. I've heard many cries of, how long? And does anyone like us? Why our church? But what if we all lamented together? How long, oh Lord, will you forget us forever? And what about the issues in our nation? How divided we are right now. There's violence and unrest, not only here but around the world. Think about the people who are suffering the most. And let us lament as if we were with them in the struggle. Because when we pray, we are with them in it. Laments, though, often, but not always, end with an admission of trust and praise. I have found that when I turn to God in my deepest need and cry out honestly to God, that my feelings change even though my circumstances might not Because it is as if in those moments when I'm so honest in my relationship with God that the Holy Spirit gently reminds me, I'm listening. I'm here. I am with you in your distress. And that is why the poet and lamentation says at the end of our passage, this I call to mind and have hope. He surprisingly is reminded that in addressing God, God has never left him. God has done so many things to demonstrate his faithfulness. And this poet remembers that. And so, First Presbyterian Church, this is my prayer for you, my hope for you, that no matter how long the season of waiting might be, no matter how the Lord continues to bring change and growth for you in the future, that you too will continue to lean on Christ with all your weight, and that as you lean into him, you can more fully experience the truth that his steadfast love never ceases. And now will you pray together by reading the scripture aloud with me, verses 1 through 24 and Lamentations. I am one who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Against me alone he turns his hand, again and again, all day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away and broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me sit in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has put heavy chains on me. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He led me off my way and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. 
He bent his bow and set me as a mark for his arrow. He shot into my vitals the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all my people, the object of their taunt songs all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, gone is my glory and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. This, my friends, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.